This podcast was first broadcast on Fresh FM, the top of the South community access radio station. For more information on Fresh FM, as well as links to other great local podcasts, go on our website freshfm.net or download the accessmedia.nz app. Hello, good evening and welcome to the Drive Alive show here on Fresh FM. Not recording live from the Founders Park studio, but recording from my room at home as we're in lockdown. Uh, hopefully when you're hearing this, we're out of lockdown, but this is going to be a lockdown special. So uh, the audio quality might not be up to what you're used to, for which I apologize. But hey, what can I do on the zero budget? Uh, so tonight we are back on the interview list again and back with someone who I'm very pleased to have back on the show again after his uh, interview a few weeks back. And uh, I believe he may also be sharing lockdown, but not in this bubble, in a very distant bubble, back over the ditch in uh, Australia again. Welcome to Trevor Watson once more. Thank you. Um, normally there'd be a round of applause. Remember Kenny Everett would have a round of applause. He would. When he had guests, yes. So I'm imagining that round of applause. And I'd like to say I'm back by popular demand, but I think it probably neither popular nor by demand. Um, but here I am in Melbourne in, um, in lockdown, and I'm very well practised at lockdown as I'm in Melbourne. Um, yes, here I am. Hi, Steve. Expensive sound effects on this show. <laughs> we could clap we, we, yes, expensive sound effects. Thank you. I'm sure you would be back by popular demand if if anyone listened to the show. Yeah, if you had any listeners. <laughs> if you had any listeners, you'd be extremely popular. But uh, yes, you are, of course, far more experienced at lockdown uh, than we here in New Zealand are. How long have you been in lockdown now for total? Oh, I think we're probably about 210 days or something. It's BAU now, business as usual. Um, 200 debt to that's like a third of the year that would be more than two thirds of a year getting off two thirds of a year two yeah. thirds of a year of course it is yes 187 days is half a year um flipping heck. 183 182 yeah 182 this is in this is in melbourne you're in lockdown here it is it is yes the garden city yes the sports the capital of the world Who's watering all the plants, though, is what I want to know. We get quite a lot of rain here. We don't need uh, plant waterers here. Um, That's good, because I, I thought Melbourne suffer, suffered a bit from water challenges, but not, not at the moment then. did about the year after we arrived here, which was about 2010, they had to be water challenges. And there were, there were um, restrictions. But since then, um, no, um, no shortage of water, I can assure you. Not, not where I've been, I think, anyway. Okay, that's good. So uh, we've been in lockdown. Oh, it's going to be coming up for two weeks uh, from the recording date of this show. You've been obviously been in lockdown for a lot longer. What are your tips for surviving lockdown? Oh, I think it depends on the type of person you are. I think um, um, this is getting a little bit technical, but if, if you're a Myers-Briggs I, which I am, a strong I, um, you don't get too bothered by it. But I understand that there are people that need... Um, external stimulus and really suffer from it so i don't know i think it's horses the courses i think you have to find your own way through this personally i haven't found it particularly difficult but i do know that lots of people have so i'm not really in a position to advise people i think um 
certainly getting exercise is really important for anybody, isn't it? So you've got to get mm-hmm. out. Um, and the less you want to go out, probably the more you need to do it uh, within the limitations of what you're allowed to do. Just get out and walk and um, spend some time outside. Yes, our dog doesn't seem to understand the word lockdown, but it, but she is very good, as you say, for getting you out and doing a bit of exercise. Yeah, well, of course she doesn't speak English, too, so you've got to be fair to her. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a fair point. Yes, I too would be on the introverted side. Uh, I'm talking to myself after all over this microphone so uh yeah it's it's quite nice in a way to be um have this time off without well it's not quite off there is a bit of work involved but Mm. you know you don't have to be social if you don't want to no 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 that's pretty good okay so all the food supply is fine in melbourne and um getting stuff yes we've got shops here steve do you we, have, we do. We have shops um, and they're open and people can go to them and buy food and things and bring them home, which is a good thing. A good that, thing. Is, that definitely is. And have you got any weird lockdown rules, some sort of slightly, you know, don't do this or, or you can only do that if you're wearing a coat or something? Or mm, don't think so. Don't think no. so. Well, brush the toilets on Tuesdays. Nothing like that. No. No. Okay. Not that I'm mm. aware of. No. Okay. Well, hopefully... I'm hoping, I'm secretly hoping actually that lockdown is going to be good for my, you know, listener audience because people are going to be looking for different things to do. They'll have watched everything on Netflix or Neon. They'll be, so they'll be so desperate they'll be tuning in. Well, that's not quite the way I'd like to phrase it. <laughs> I, I think they'll be looking for something innovative and, you know, something different in the media space. Not desperate not really the word I wanted to play in there. But you could be right. You could be right. Anyway... We are, what are we? Oh, yes, we're a motoring. Cutting edge, Steve. They'll be looking Cutting for edge. edge. Cutting edge, indeed, yes. <laughs> I was going to say something about what my listener might be doing in a few minutes' time related to that. <laughs> no. <laughs> we shouldn't no. go into that. No, don't go into that. Right. Um, so, uh, sorry, what was that? Don't Eating that. potatoes. Eating potatoes. Peeling them. Peeling potatoes. Oh, of course, we're peeling potatoes, yes. Now you're going to make me want some crisps in the middle of my radio show which is not good uh oh before we go on with the radio show i should just thank my sponsors which aren't a crisp company but they are a fuel company uh so when you do get a chance to drive your car again uh any further than the shops do remember to stop at stop off at npd fuels to fill up with um fuel and and they might sell crisps as well at some shops i believe uh because because we some of some of our garages sell stuff in shops too, yeah. Uh, right, that was a rubbish product placement. Let's go on and talk about bikes, because you are a fairly well-known biker uh, in your own fraternity. Oh, to you, to me, yes. I was trying. I was trying to think of how many from my friends are bikers, uh, and I think it's probably just you actually. <laughs> i'm the leader of my own gang you are the leader of the pack on, yeah. on your biker pack yes so um there were possibly a few tales about your biking history that we may not have fully covered in uh the last show now you did remember you did mention in the last show sometimes where you have um 
sort of voluntarily got rid of your bike or voluntarily lost it. In other words, you, you kind of deliberately come off it, let it disappear from underneath you before you crash into the back of a car. Yes, yes, I did, didn't I? Yes, that, that, yes that's a, yes. a, a well-proven tactic I found. Hmm. That is a tactic. So presumably the bike just sails on down the road and may or may not crash into the back of the car. But the main thing is because you've kind of let it go and just let yourself go to the ground. You don't. Well, what I found is actually you don't get as far as the car. It depends. So on what, the first time I discovered that actually you could slide reasonably um, unaffected um, whilst not actually sitting on the bike, but sitting with it on the floor, um, was I was going down a road um, in the UK and it had been raining and I thought it was a country lane and I thought I was um, going straight ahead. Um, and then I saw a car come. I don't think I've told, told you this one before. No, no, I don't remember this one. And I realised I was approaching a 90-degree bend and the road I thought I was, the extension of the road I thought I was on actually was a country lane that wasn't the road I was supposed to be on. Um, and I put the brakes on, the bike just disappeared. And I went sailing down this hill um, and a car came around the corner. I just went behind that one and just went in front of the one following that one. <laughs> and two of them on the floor into a grassy bank the other side. Um, so that was quite a close call. Um, and, uh, and then subsequently, um, putting the brakes on really hard, particularly when I'm got ABS brakes, um, mm-hmm. the, the bike does tend to disappear, but it's better to come off really than the insurance consequence of going through the back of a car um, which can hurt a bit as well um yeah but i did write one off when i didn't have time to do that because a kid came out of um there was an alley he ran straight out of an alley straight across the zebra crossing um in uh, in hackney and i was daydreaming a bit the car in front of me obviously slammed on the brakes and just missed him and i went straight to the back of me and wrote the bike off um but i was all right yeah oh yeah yeah um so when, when you sort of jettison the bike, uh, presume, presumably you're, you're let, you let go of the bike. You're not still uh, sitting on the bike while it's sliding along the ground because that would be sliding on your leg, wouldn't it? Hang on a bit. You know, I'm not talking about going really, really fast. It's just you know, you're, you're in traffic. Like the A40, I did it on the A40, again in the rain. It's not kind of completely deliberate, but it's kind of controlled. Um, and, you know, you put the brakes on hard and you think, okay, well, you're probably going to go over. And um, rather than strain to try and keep it up, you just kind of drop it. I don't know how I do it, really, quite gently. I mean, you've got to wear, be wearing the right clothes. Um, but, um, yeah, and you kind of just – because the car in front still moving forward, it's slowing down, but far too quickly if you yeah. before you hit it. And I just think you just kind of slow down a bit when you hit the floor and you just don't hit the back of the car. Because I was going to say, how, how do you practice this? Because it's not something you really want to practice on your... It's pure, pure instinct and skill, Steve. <laughs> but born of the inattention in the first place, which meant you didn't actually read the traffic ahead of you in time. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. So you're, you just... And it just because it's metal and going quite fast, it just slides along the ground. And you slide along the ground as well behind it, but a bit slower. Yeah, that's probably pretty much it. Yeah, but if it, you need some protection on the bike, that helps if you've got crash bars. Um, yeah, and the right clothes. So I, I, I went around, a, I, I took a pillion passenger um, who didn't have the right clothes on, um, and, which was really my mistake because you can't have responsible for your pillion passenger on you and uh, listen to Twickenham. Went round around about that they just gravelled. Um, and uh, I was quite used to this roundabout and went into it quite quickly and didn't know any gravel and the back wheel disappeared. 
he uh, we came off and I was fine and he stood up and his legs were a bit of a mess, which was a bit of a I would advocate wearing the right clothes at all times. Yes, yeah, so yes, each sliding on gravel at high speed. That doesn't sound like fun unless you're wearing the biker's leathers. Yeah, it doesn't have to be high speed to do quite a lot of damage. That's it the, doesn't. No. Okay. Yeah. Well, if there's uh, so for any mothers listening who are just slightly concerned about their sons or daughters riding on bikes, uh, well, you probably won't be listening after this. But um, yes, right clothes, proper leathers, gloves, boots, helmet, obviously. Mm, yeah yeah not quite the short shot we see in the movies of the easy um, rider. easy rider no no tom, tom cruise in what was the uh the film top gun yeah yeah might look cool but having hundreds of bits of gravel embedded in your leg not so cool no no oh, right i'm wincing right okay so uh yeah, so why I got why I remembered why I got onto this now. Uh, so in terms of your bike disappearing from underneath of you, that's that's about taking evasive action. But there are times where your bike disappeared altogether, um, it got stolen. On has, it, has your bike been stolen on some occasions? One bike got stolen in Coventry, and um, it's a very weird experience. So I parked it in the road. And I went to my friend's house and I went to bed and I got up in the morning and I went back to where I thought I parked it and it wasn't there. And I don't believe had a vehicle stolen, but you kind of just stand there looking at the space where you expected it to be. <laughs> Did it, I park it there? It's really, that's you, you really got to start asking those questions because you think, oh, you, you know, it was a big bike and to steal a big bike, I, I presume you've got to know what you're doing pretty much. Um, and um, it wasn't there. And you think, hold on, and then you start playing back the previous evening in your mind to think, well, could I put it somewhere else? And, and, and it really takes a while to convince yourself that, no, this really was the place I put it, and it really has gone. And it's so uh, inconvenient. <laughs> Anybody who's thinking of stealing bikes, don't do it. It's so inconvenient to the person you're taking it from. Notwithstanding the insurance you know, thing, but I was, you know, 150 miles from home or whatever, and you've got to find a way home and all that kind of stuff. It's really, really... Yeah. Uh, inconsiderate i'd say you'd been sent to coventry possibly absolutely, absolutely. yes I spent 15 minutes building up to that it probably wasn't <laughs> worth it but so uh, stealing a bike i mean obviously bikes have locks do they have additional locks alarms physical yeah, yeah, they stuff have alarms. they have alarms you can put massive chains on them huge chains that weigh lots of money and um, weigh lots of weigh a lot um and you can put chains, yeah, on, on and locks on the wheels. Yes, you can do that. And and so your bike had definitely been stolen. This wasn't a sort of not quite remembering about about the night before. No, it had gone. It, it had gone. Just, yeah. And never, did you ever get it back? No, never found again. Oh, that's no. a bummer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a bummer. But I did. I, sorry, I did replace it with a, a more up to date version of the same bike. So was, that was the old version of CBR one thousand. Um, and I got the new version. Oh, that was the that was the serious, seriously fast bike then. So it probably was a bit of a target. Well, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do remember. Well, I, I haven't had a car stolen. The closest I've got to it, closest I've got to it. Uh, we, you remember we used to live in Stoke Newington, mm. of course. Now, um, Stoke Newington, for those of you who don't know, 
is well, it's not really a suburb of North London, is it? It's kind of it's kind of an area of North London. And when we lived in it in the late eighties, it wasn't how we say shall we say uh, a gentrified salubrious salubrious. That is the word. It was definitely salubrious when we lived there. Um, I think like I probably would have been able to buy. If if I sold if I sell this house in New Zealand now with the money I can make with it I could in back in the middle of the eight, uh, end of the eighties I could probably have bought the entire street that we used to live in all the houses for that money then now I think I could probably afford a gate post uh, in Stoke Newington because I'm sure it has been gentrified and gone extremely upmarket uh, now but then when we lived there it was salubrious and I used well, it wasn't salubrious Steve it wasn't it was it was it was uh... A bit of a well, it, it was. I think Hackney. It's in Hackney, so Hackney. I think it's probably still one of the poorest um, boroughs in London. But there's a bit of a um, what's the word? Um, schism of um, wealth there, isn't there? Either you have right, yes. a lot of money, and if you don't know the houses, you might not have so much. Haves and have-nots. Haves and have-nots. Yes, living alongside, sometimes in harmony, and sometimes not so it can be a bit painful in some respects but i remember coming down from our um or coming out of our flat and uh i put i had my mg at that time and i came to the mg and the passenger window wasn't there yeah i've had that in stoke newton my my leopard jacket off my motorbike was nicked out of a car well, i was very upset but i had two car windows smashed in and really distressing that is isn't it well well the funny thing was you see the passenger window wasn't there but then when i looked closely more closely i thought oh, did i leave that open or something and i looked more closely there was no broken glass it had actually been wound down i thought oh shit i didn't leave i didn't leave the window wound down did I? because and then i looked in and the stereo was gone oh, the stereo yes. was gone now the stereo was I mean, to me, it was like a serious model. It was, uh, for, you know, for those of you listening in New Zealand, you won't know Halfords, uh, but Halfords in the UK is like super cheap auto, only cheaper. And and this was a stereo from Halfords by a company called Pi, who used to make radios in the 1950s. Mm. And it wasn't exactly the most upmarket thing. So I think the person who nicked it was probably trying to persuade people to give them money uh, to take it away or having to give people money to take it away rather than getting any money for it. But I have to compliment the, the thief on a very good job because A, they didn't break any glass in the car. B, they just took my crappy pie stereo. And C, that's all they took. So well, they didn't take the in the car, Steve. So, so that was a cardinal rule. I, th- I think that's a little cruel. I think that's a little cruel. <laughs> and they even invented those stereos, probably uniquely for that market, that location where, where you could take them out of the car overnight. Do you remember those? Uh, yes, although I'm sure mine wasn't that upmarket that you could remove the fascia or whatever the thing. No. Fifties, probably, but yeah, um, yeah. yeah you, you you had to take your stereo out of the car overnight if you wanted to be in the morning. You did, and and mine wasn't yeah. one that did that, so somebody else did it for me. But that they left the car; they didn't actually, but they just forced the window down, and all all they took was my stereo. But yes, so that was my heart in the mouth moment. But in the end, it was all right, and that's good old Stoke Newton, which I'm sure now is highly gentrified and expensive, and 
Very nice. Well, it's nice when we were there. It was lovely. All, was lovely. all the more lovely because we were there, but it was nice. We well, were. yes, it was. Good old Stoke Newington and the number 73 bus. Anyway, um, what are we, so that was stealing stuff. Um, now, you have lost things to do with bikes. Not the whole bike, but just, just the keys. Uh, lost keys, yes. Yes. I, I kicked some keys once. Um, I don't know what happened. It was a Friday night. It had been a miserable day. I was in the Victoria area of London. Um, so central or southwest, and um, I dropped them, and I, I don't know because I was young and angry, and I kicked them across the road, and uh-huh. I saw them sailing so motion, so motion, straight down a drain. What a shot! I know. What um, a shot! Yes, probably not what I said um, <laughs> at the time, um, but what ensued was really quite heartwarming. Uh, notwithstanding the frustration, because so many people tried to help me. It's like, you know, those um, TV programs, um, like You've Been Framed and things like that. Um, lots of people gathered around me because I was on my knees in the wet trying to get this thing out of, um, out of this drain. So, um, so could you see these keys? Then? Yes, they were tantalisingly close. Tantalisingly close. <laughs> um, people were getting sticks, and what, what you really needed was um, a, one of those wire... Um, Clothes hangers that you could Yeah, have. like a coat hanger. If you'd outside a top shop or something, you could have. Yeah, and pe- people were coming up with magnets, and it was really magnets. Quite yes, I know. In, in central London in the, <laughs> in the afternoon. And, uh, but to no avail, couldn't get them. Um, oh. And uh, one of the guys opposite um, in one of these big office blocks offered to, going back to the previous story of stolen bikes, leaving that bike there overnight for the weekend um, wouldn't have bode well for the bike. And he let me um, store the bike in this um, office block in a, in a special area he had, which was really quite kind of him. And I had to go go back to my mum's, um, which um, was a bit of a pain, not, not going to hurt. But, you know, the journey, the whole weekend was spent trying to find my spare keys. <laughs> the bike up on a Monday morning. So you probably created a little mini tourist attraction there, peering down this drain surrounded by members of the public trying well, to give them a story to hang with you never believe what happens yes. yeah. magnets okay and, and presumably you did find the spare keys eventually yes yes which reminds me i don't have spare keys for the bike of company got which is a bit of a risk isn't it signing that is a bit of a risk definitely thank you for reminding me i always get a set of spare keys that's a top tip from the driver live radio show <laughs> yeah. always know where your spare key to your bike car mm-hmm. truck is because uh some keys as i found out you have to go back to the manufacturer can i, manufacturer. Can I just give you another tip go, go on give us another don't tip need, don't need your spare keys in the car that's <laughs> he's on fire today there really is that's that's another good tip yes I don't always try to be helpful i always do yes because sometimes for these spare keys you have to go back to the manufacturer uh or the dealership to get a set of spare keys and if it's really bad the dealership has to go back to the factory to ask for a set of spare keys for certain cars as i found out Hmm. between a certain year which might be in germany and might take weeks to get the spare key and then you've got to prove that you own the car and everything else so yes know where your spare key is always good uh, or else, yeah, have some fun trying to get them out of a drain. Uh, I don't know about the drains in Australia, but in New Zealand, we have like serious storm drains. And if they go down there, they're just gone. Mm-hmm. They'll just be gone. 
But uh, yeah, maybe you should have. Uh, maybe you should have done a trial for some of the London football clubs if you managed to kick your keys from one side of the road down a drain on the other. That's quite impressive. Well, had it been deliberate, yes. Had, had it been deliberate, yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. Don't play him at football. Mental note. Okay. Um, let's talk about milk. Mm, uh, yes. Yep. Milk, because one of the, one of those essentials that one has to get from a supermarket at the moment is milk. Yes, it is. Uh, yes, it is. So we're frequently driving with bottles of milk in the car. Mm. And uh, yes, in the days that we had bottles, I don't think still buy bottles of milk. Maybe well, we, we we can we can here in Nelson. I can. I'm not sure I'm allowed to do this, but uh, Oakland's Farm, you can go and get a bottle of milk. From Oakland's farm, refill it in a glass bottle, take it back in your car. But there are some risks to this. Oh yes, funnily enough, I did that. I went and bought this. Is yeah, this? I went and did you? Did milk. you? Yes, in in Norfolk from a farm or a farm shop well, for for my girlfriend's parents in their car. How thoughtful! Of course, and I bought three bottles because that's what I've been instructed to do. So so far, so good. So um, I got into the car. And I thought, I know what I'll do with those. I'll put them on the passenger seat. As you do. As you do. No, as you don't, Steve. As you really do. Oh, really, sorry. You really don't. You really, really don't. Um, there was no passenger there at the time. There was no passenger to take care of them. And I was striding on quite happily. And uh, Norfolk's kind of flat, which is okay, but it has hedges and country lanes. And uh, I went round this corner and a car was coming the other way. It was a brake. And um, one bottle fell off the passenger seat with a momentum into the footwell. Followed well, that's the, that's okay. You've got a soft carpet. Followed by the second one. Oh, that might not be okay. Smashed. Followed by the third one. Smashed. <laughs> and now I've got about two inches of milk in the footwell of the car. And um, well, um, you didn't have a lot of glass. Um, that car never lost that smell of milk. Never and just it. whose car was this again? Uh, my girlfriend's parents. They were very, very good about it, as they were when I um, pinged it off of the central reservation on the M11. They were very good <laughs> about that as well, actually, um, while their daughter was in it. Um, yeah. Mike and Vivian, if you're listening, which is very unlikely, um, <laughs> your tolerance. That, that car took a real beating. It was a Volkswagen diesel. Um, a Golf diesel, and it was just a workhorse. Nothing stopped that car. Um, dri driving it with the brakes on, uh, with the metal or metal on the brakes, um, and it didn't do any damage to it, apparently. Um, right. Okay. Radiator, that didn't kill it off. <laughs> Coming back to France, it was, it was, yeah, what a car, but it never lost that smell of milk um, in all the years, and it did do a lot of miles. It's a very, very good car. A Volkswagen sour milk model. Mm. Ooh, yes, there's nothing quite well, well apart from Kitty Wink's sick in the car. That's pretty bad. But yeah, milk and deep in the well of the carpet. And yes. Yeah, that's great car though. Really, if you want it, if you want a very, very reliable car, Volkswagen Bolt Diesel. It was maroon. I don't think that had any hair <laughs> on its on its longevity, but I remember it distinctly. Not not one to be stuck in on a heat wave in a traffic jam on a hot summer's day though i suspect no but it was very good um when we went we drove it down to the south of france in a day 
and coming back, we came back all the way up um, camping. And um, I think we did this a couple of times. We got to Calais and there was some strike and it was anarchy and it was chucking at the room. And we got into Calais and normally you'd expect to get to the ferry within about half an hour. Five hours, seven hours, I think it was, we were in this queue, in this car. Oh. Um, so it's a good job we got on. And um, when, we, when we got there, it, it was anarchy. They ran out of supplies um, at, the, uh, at the ferry depot. Um, and so it was, um, yeah, it would have, if it had been really, really hot, it would have been much worse than the fact that it was actually really, really cool. Um, but it was, it was a nightmare to sit in that car for that long. As, as it was, actually, I came back to the last time I went back to the UK, I was kind of going from um, Coventry, no, it's from Manchester to Coventry, which I think probably should take about an hour, shouldn't it? Something like that. Seven hours of being an accident on the M6. And I, I remember needing to go to the loop. Um, I'm going nowhere. Two hours. I'm on the outside lane on the M6 and I've gone nowhere. And, oh, and, hang on, are you on your bike here or are you in a car? I'm in a higher car. You're in a higher car. And you think, what am I going to do? You know, where? <laughs> Go and you know, as you get to our age, Steve, it gets more challenging. Well, this is this is not going to be this is not going to end with a car having another nasty smell in it for you. <laughs> I do hope not. No, but but you're just sitting there, um, really praying for the cars to move and they do move into the middle lane, and then you're waiting for the next shift, and then you move into the you know inside lane, and then finally you move into the hard shoulder, and you know you shouldn't be there, but there's nothing going on. You just got to go. That's quite stressful. That experience. Have you ever been in that situation? <laughs> so hang on, you've got cars queued up for miles behind you on the motorway, and, and you're trying to relieve yourself on the hard shoulder here. Um, we're not on the hard shoulder, Steve. There's you know, some some greenery. <laughs> okay, okay, but how well hidden are you in this greenery? Oh, very well hidden. Very well hidden. <laughs> very well hidden. Okay. There'll be another incident on the motorway report. Well, some, uh, some would say it wouldn't have mattered. They wouldn't have been. <laughs> 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 Nothing to see here, sir. They said. <laughs> Surely not. Surely not. So, yes. No, I haven't been caught short, fortunately, um, yet. But then we don't have motorways in New Zealand. So, you know. There's, there's always uh, a bit of bush nearby. And in China, when I, went, when I was in China, the taxi drivers had this bottle. Um, that they, well, they, in those days, this was for the Olympics. I'm not sure they changed it. There were a bottle in the middle of the, you know, in, in between the passenger and the front seat that they put some... No. <laughs> no. Well, it, it was either that or some in, interesting cordial. It's just, you really need to know which. You really do need to know which. Because <laughs> so so hang on so you had to sort of so you were obviously busting to go outside the road here but we all know us blokes all know and I don't know if this is the same with women but when when you you know when you're sort of self conscious about mm. you know emptying the bladder there it's it's harder to go no <laughs> no it wasn't in that case it just wasn't no, no not at all actually I think that I think it, I think this is true that women um, have a larger bladder. Than men, I think they're able to um, last longer. Um, Is that right? There've been tests done on this. I think there's something about the anatomical um, structure of a woman uh, and her bladder means there's more capacity. I think that's true. You might want to fact check this. Okay, um, it's a shame it's not a phone in because then I could get any any woman could phone in and say. With, with an anatomically correct bladder could say, yes, that, that is true. Well, we you'd, have to have one listening. you'd have to have one listening for the phone. For, for the that is work. the problem. Yeah. Yes, that, that is the problem. Even if it were a phone, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so you've... Right, that's... 
interestingly, um, yeah. Don't Did I stuck. Too much there? Was that too much detail? No, you. no, I think we got away with that. I, th- I think we got away with that. Oh, we can always, we can always, this, this is the advantage of pre recording. Um, <laughs> they can cut out the dodgy bits. So, uh, strikes, overheating cars, uh, overheating drivers, potentially by the sound of it, mm. uh, or overcooking. But, um, what should, what should we get on to now? Oh, there's the other stuff. Oh, look, how far through are we? I've lost track of the time. Anyway, sc- what about scary things? I mean, that getting stranded in a traffic jam, wanting desperately to go sounds quite scary. Uh, coming off your bike at high speed sounds quite scary. No. Any, any other scary thing? Coming off is the scary bit. I think it's the close misses are the scary things. The close misses, okay. Yeah. Um... I can remember going around a corner on my home. So I think I alluded this in the previous one where that, that uh, lorry was cutting off the corner and I was getting trapped um, at uh, Hamilton Roundabout. That was scary because I was going to get crushed by this, um, this lorry. And I had one recently where the lorry decided I, I was behind it and it breaks. It, it, you know, it was on a hill start and it got its hill start wrong. And it was coming backwards down towards me and you had no idea. <laughs> Right. What, what do you do? And, and uh, other people started beeping him because they could see me. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm trying to <laughs> evasive action, not very far, not much room to move. Um, yeah, that starts to get... And also another one, which is quite common, well, not quite common, but it kind of sticks with you. Have you seen um, Indiana Jones? I think it's the last crusade where they're in Venice and those tugs are pushing those um, boats together. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, the, and the little boats, you know, speedboats go between them. You know what the film is talking about? Well, I, I can't remember which Indiana Jones film. Well, it was, it's a converging space, okay? So yeah, it's a shrinking space, yes. It's shrinking space. So the space in front of you is getting smaller and you are committed to going through it. That can be scary. So I've had a few of those where I've, you might argue I misjudged the opportunity. And, oh, uh, this, this is your go for the gap when we're driving in London. <laughs> the, 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 the gap, gap that is there for a second and then is gone. Yeah, and once you're committed, you're committed. And so uh-huh. you accelerate hard to get through it because you can see otherwise you're not going to. And you just get through and you've got no idea really what you're going to find the other side, but you've got to go for it. Otherwise, you're just... You're otherwise, mince. you're a wimp. Yeah, well, no, you're a min- you're mince if you don't get through. Oh, I see um, you're mince. Yes, okay. Yeah, so that, that can be a bit... Um, so I suppose the close misses are, are the ones that really stick with you, aren't they? Sort of heart-stopping moments where you, you've had to really take a base patch and think, well, that was, that was a bit close. And, um, yeah, I had one where I, I don't know what I did. It was, it was dark, wet in, in Sussex down a country lane. I overtook, I don't know what I did, I misjudged it, and a lorry was coming the way suddenly. And I, how I got between that car and that lorry, I've got no idea. <laughs> no idea how I came out the other side of that. You're, um, you're not doing the reputation of the slightly crazy bikers any good here. No, well, it's just misjudgment. So that's, well, I think that's one of the things Bikes, you? You, you, you learn from experience if you're lucky. I think that's the issue. I think I've alluded to that before. And, and I've made yes. some mistakes and been very fortunate to not um, come across that. Really. Yes. So, bikers, if, if you'd like to learn the, the easier way with, without taking years off your life or skin off your knees, I can recommend the Institute of Advanced Motorists Ride to Live Scheme. Here in New Zealand. I would definitely recommend that. I He'd do it. Yeah, I would definitely do that. I think there's a real, there's a real, uh, you know, young people, young males particularly in cars have high insurance for a reason. 
Yeah. Um, and they've got protection in the car, but they can do a lot more damage to other people. And, you know, people like me or, you know, young men on motorbikes is, you know, dangerous, really, particularly for them, because they're less likely to damage to other people, but, you know, easy to, to yeah. kill yourself on a motorbike. So what I'm going to ask you, what, what do you think about born again bikers? Because you're not, you've always been a biker. So you're, you're a kind of highly experienced one. And you've referenced frequently that, you know, I did a lot of dumb things when I was young mm. and I, mm. no way would I do those now. Um, but there, there is the, the sort of born again bikers who used to bike and then they gave it up because they got told off by their mum or, you know, they went sensible and mm. Mm. got in kids and stuff and then they get to a certain age and now they can afford a fast bike again and they want that freedom and that exhilaration that they had when they were young and they get on their super fast bike and off they go mm. well obviously they, they have to they can choose to do that there's no law against it i would i would i counsel against it i i don't know so i think it would depend where you're doing it you know so if you've got not many cars on the road, that's obviously better. And if it's not wet, it's better. But I think um, it's I, when you were asking that question, um, I was thinking back to football, right? So I used to play a lot of football, soccer, I think you have to call it in Australia, otherwise, I think you're talking about AFL or rugby league if, you know, if you're um, in New South Wales or Queensland. Um, and uh, I used to think I was quite good. And then I didn't play for years, and then I played again. And I was shocked. Um, so I was really, I was still really pretty fit. But just your reading of the game and your timing is just not what it was. <laughs> you it's were shocked at, shocked at how fast the ball seemed to go when, <laughs> since you last played it. Yeah, yeah. But, and, and you just realise that it's not quite like riding a bike. Um, there's a, quite a lot more to it. You know, literally, you know, you, if you, once you can ride a pedal bike, you can ride a pedal bike, right? But there, there's a lot more to it. And um, the timing, anticipation. Yeah. Um, and, and so I just think, um, but on the other hand, your um, age tempers um, your ambition, doesn't it? I think you do get more considerate and um, um, conservative, I suppose, in, in how you drive and ride as you're older. And so that might mitigate your... Um, having had a bit of a break, shall we say? I don't, I'd be interested to know what the, what the accident rates are. Insurance companies would be able to tell us um, what the accident rates are in people that have taken a break. Yeah, I think I think that football thing is quite a good analogy because I um, I've never just... played football and had a break and came back and still. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> I'll have you know, I scored an absolute cracker at the end of the season. Uh, last summer no it wasn't an own goal although my friends will tell you about a spectacular own goal I did score when I was a goalkeeper but no this was in the right end and it was it was the only goal I scored all season but it was worth waiting for but anyway as you say it's sort of the mind is willing but the flesh is weak it's sort Mm -hmm. of I can get that I can get that oh I can't get that yeah and uh, yeah, and, and, I, and I might need somebody to <laughs> to deal with that muscle strain I've just developed. Yeah, yes, it's yes, but sometimes, but you do have the advantages of experience. So, you, in theory, in theory, you can read the game a bit better. You can possibly read the roads and the road situation a bit better than you could when you were younger. If you retained that information, and certainly when on our football analogy continuing, so we are uh, a football team of middle-aged and over middle-aged guys and sometimes we do come against the up against the youngsters and we always groan heavily because we know they're going to run us ragged 
But what we can do is use a bit of experience and a bit of niggling and then they start to lose their discipline and they kind of go for glory and then they start arguing amongst themselves and then they can self-destruct and sometimes we can still beat the youngsters. More often than not, we get slaughtered 5-0, but sometimes it works out with a bit of experience. Well, yeah, but you're, you're, you're applying the, the, the 1970s Leeds United School of Football approach. Aren't you? Well, I think that's a little harsh. We're, we're not dirty-ish, possibly. Mm. Yeah, it's when they go sprinting past you and you think, 20 years ago, I could have caught you. Mm. Well, not now. No, so maybe, yes, yeah, so maybe if you are a ball again biker, then yes, I think... If you've got that experience, uh, but oh, refresher is always good. I'm sure going on refresher courses because uh, yes, you might be shocked at your reactions aren't quite what you thought. I don't think so. I, I would definitely advocate yeah refresher courses because it's you know it's life life or death, isn't it? Really, it's, these things are difficult. You know, and, and these it's you know you can go at high speeds. You don't have to be going very fast to to do damage a lot of damage yourself or somebody else. Um, no, I, 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 I I and. Um, I hit somebody. The only time I've hit something that wasn't inanimate um, was on Camden High Street, and I finished the day driving. Um, oh, I did. No, I'll go back to this other one. But um, Camden High Street is kind of one, was, I presume it still is, a one-way street um, with about seven lanes. And it was dark, and again, it had been raining. And I saw the brake lights of the cars to my right all go on in sequence, so from right to left. Yeah. One, bing, 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 bing. And suddenly I hit this pedestrian. So, so he'd run across the line of the, all the traffic lines, and by the time I realised what happened, far too late, and he went straight over the top of me. Jeez, this is on a bike. On, on a motorbike, yeah. Um, and so I, t- I just took his legs away, and he went straight over my shoulder. And um, he wasn't moving, and he'd been wearing, you know, everything he was wearing was was um, black. He had nothing reflective on him at all. Mm. Um, and um, so, although it's a main main road, he wasn't exactly. You know, make himself visible, but I don't know why he ran across the whole line of traffic. Maybe he thought when he got to me, um, there was a gap, which is why he'd stopped. Um, All right. But so it really shook me up. I was okay at the time, but you know, a few hours later, it really, really impacted me. Um, yeah, just really impacted. I got really emotional. Um, imagine. Um, so it's it's no fun hitting somebody. And I can remember getting on this fat riding. I was going down Regent Street, down the outside of the traffic, as you do. And suddenly a pram appeared out between two buses. Truth. A pram with a child was pushed out between two buses. And then the, and then the, the mother appeared. <laughs> and you're thinking, what are you doing? If, if I, if I could so easily have gone straight through that pram. So, and, and, you know, fortunately, you know, I didn't. But, you know, I don't know what she was thinking. Uh, but to hit somebody is, um, is not a good thing. Yeah, and um, I don't, you know, to, to hit somebody and kill somebody, even if it's accidental, I can't imagine what, what that must be like. Yeah. No, no. No, indeed. That um, would be an almost impossible burden to live with, I should imagine. Um, so let's get completely the other way from that subject onto the funniest thing that may have happened to you on the road. Funniest thing that happened to me on the Funniest thing. That's going to be difficult. Um, Motorbiking is quite a serious topic. It's a very serious topic. Mm. No, I might have to come back 
touch on that. Well, we can maybe come back to that. So there's nothing funny about motorcycling, people. If you're going to do biking, <laughs> it's going to be serious. Not no laughter and jokes involved in this. We can tell. Yes, no, that's going to be a struggle. Funniest thing that's happened. No, I'm going to have to come back to you. I'm well, apart, apart from the guy who nicked your, assume it was a guy who nicked your CBR 1000 bike, he was probably laughing all the way to the bank. But apart from that, very, very sexist. The person, the person, the person. Okay, it might have been a woman. It's true. It might it's have true. been. Um, I have to think about the funniest thing that happened in the bank. Mm. No? Okay, move on. No, no, okay, funny thing. All right. What about another uh, joke topic then? Uh, public transport. Sorry. Um, how would you improve it? How would you get us out of our cars? Um, well, Make it th- free. <laughs> well, that would definitely help. I don't think it is for some people in some parts of the world, isn't it? I think uh, it is. Yeah, I think that um, London would be a really good example of um, stopping people using cars. I mean, for, if you live within a certain range of London, you know, central London. I've worked in London for years and never needed a car. The only reason I had the motorbike was to go and see friends at the weekend because the, the transport system is so good. Yeah, the, the only reason you never had a car in London is because you like riding on the number 73 bus. Well, I did like that, but there's a good example of public transport that works, then. There was. There was indeed <laughs> one or two incentives to ride on the number 73 bus, I see. Oh, but anyway. But, but you know, it's not cheap, but you know, if you've got a if you've got a, um, a very effective public transport system with with a lot of range, then people don't use cars, do they? And um, you know, there is some car usage, but it will be if that wasn't there, there'd be a lot more car usage. So um, what's the public transport like in Melbourne? I mean, is is it is there enough you know jams and congestion to make you think I want to get on a bus, go on a bus lane, get there faster? Does that? I think that does prob- it work. Well, and I think the issue here is that it's um, radial, would that be the right word? So it's kind of a hub-and-spoke model, um, and it needs to be more like a spider web. So um, you can go in and out in a straight line into the centre and back out again, but traversing is very, very difficult without a car. So okay. Okay. does that make sense? Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, so you, so you need the concentric circles of the spider's web um, and it doesn't have that. It just has the spokes. Okay, so you're just going into the centre and going back out again, and it's always a bit yeah. of a yeah. faff to get anywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it also has a, a, port, a, a bay on the one south side, which is a challenge, which is a bit like Sydney, you know, so lots of people say Sydney, you know, you, you don't have friends north of the river, north of, yeah, north of the harbour if you live south of the harbour and vice versa, um, because it's practically too difficult really to get across. Okay, so so you're a biker then. Would you, in conjunction with this sort of spug and spug and hope, uh, spug and hub transport? I might have invented a new system there. Uh, would you use you know for the last kilometres or stuff? Would you would you get on scooters? Would you get on elect you know electric scooters? Would you skateboards, segways? Would you do that sort of thing? To go where? Well, to sort of get the last little bits in the city where, you know, the buses don't go because you want to go across to a special uh, no, part. The distances are too big um, because it's too big a city. Um, okay. Yeah, no, you, those, those things aren't big enough to cover the distances. So they're, they're, I think you'd have to improve the bus system. And even the tram system goes straight in, straight out pretty much. Um, okay. Um, yeah. So I think you would need um, 
a better bus system probably um, to do that. And and is a better bus system achieved through you know bus only lanes? Mm. Do, you, do you have those? Uh, yeah, there, they, there are some, but I'm not sure how really effective they are because I think the, the reliance on cars is just so so great. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. But, but free public transport would be good, wouldn't it? Um, it would. Yeah, I think that would definitely help. Probably unsustainable, but. Um... Well, I don't know. Maybe maybe you get other benefits from having free public transport. I don't know. I don't know. You probably have to ask an economist. Hmm. Mm, yes. Don't know many of those. No. <laughs> yes, or a city planner. City planner. So. Um... So, for, for, I mean, for cities, would would you say you know bikes are going to be more of the future than cars? Be they motorbikes, scooter bikes, public transport bikes? I, I mean, can you see Melbourne being a light? Because obviously, you mentioned London. There's the congestion charge. You can't, or you can go into the centre, but boy, yeah. do you pay for it? Yes, I do. Yes, uh, I don't think motorbikes because they take too much um, skill to ride safely, um, mm-hmm. and and they're not very good in inclement weather. Um, and become, become uncomfortable and more dangerous in inclement weather. Um, so that's you can you can only take one friend, um, unless you have a um, a sidecar. Um, those electric scooters are interesting, aren't they? Um, I went on one, and it's a little bit like a motorbike. You can see the similarity. Um, Segways don't think the batteries last long enough, but they're fun to ride. Had to go, <laughs> go, go on one of those in Barcelona. They're easy. I quite oh, like okay. one wheel. Have you seen the, the unicycle Segways? No, there used to be a guy here in Nelson who did Segway tours around Nelson, but he's he's long gone, unfortunately. But I didn't realise you get one with one wheel. Yes, I saw one of those. I saw somebody on one of those. Um, that's pretty pretty cool. Um, so I just think it depends on your distances, doesn't it? Um, uh, but you know, big big cities difficult, I think, um, to do things without cars and actually got buses. And of course, electric buses they'd be good. Um, you know, eco friendly buses would be good. Yep. Yeah, because that is one of the criticisms of buses at the moment in terms of they tend to be diesel and they tend to be one of the most polluting vehicles on the road, maybe not per head of people they're transporting. But, um, yeah. Is it, does Delhi have, I'm on, which, there must be an international city, maybe I can Google this while I'm sitting here, um, an international city that has um, green buses, not green colour, obviously, but something, I'm wondering if Delhi has shifted to that. Just has what, like electric buses, or yeah, I would imagine so. We've still got a big smog problem, but contribution to. I put my money on somewhere like Singapore. They're pretty advanced and stuff, but I don't. I don't know. I don't know. It's a good question. Mm. It's a good question. Of course, there used to be. uh, We're going back even before me now. uh, In the early twentieth century, used to have all the electric trams. Yes. Running around the cities on their rail tracks. Electric, no fumes at all. Well, Melbourne has the largest tram network in the world. And that's still not saving the city then. <laughs> no, again, they're, they're pretty radial, but they're, they're very well, very highly used. So I think they're, they're, they're the equivalent of um, London's tube network, aren't they, pretty much? Yeah, but the overground and the far more um, quaint. Yes. And uh, yes. But that's pretty silly. Trams must be pretty scary for cyclists. Um, I think you need to be careful also for cars. You know, if you don't know the code, you, can, you see a tram stop and you can drive down the inside if you're not paying attention. 
And that's a serious risk, isn't it? Yeah, because they have their little flags come up on the side of the, side of the bus that says stop because people are going to be getting off and they walk straight into the, the lane of car traffic. Oh, dear. Um, Actually, that was a problem. I, going back to London, that was one of the advantages. And I know the hop-on, hop-off buses, of course, are not friendly to disabled or those of limited mobility. And they are banned now, but they used to be very, very good for if you needed to hop on a bus and you weren't quite at the bus stop or you needed to get off a bus and you weren't quite at the bus stop, you could. But then you were running, jumping off into traffic, which probably wasn't very safe either. I think. No, I used to love those. 1973 was an example of one of those. But I remember I was um, going down Oxford Street one night and a guy who's obviously had a bit, bit more alcohol than is advisable um ran and jumped on the back and missed it and, oh, and he fell back onto the road and smashed his head up i remember that really really clearly and the, the obviously bus driver was like no idea and just kept going mm. i've like, no idea what happened to that guy but um yeah apparently mistimed it which is probably one of the reasons obviously why you know european safety rules kicked in and you weren't that happy. yes and of course when you jumped off you did have to remember to jump off in the direction that the bus was going not in the direction Opposite <laughs> to which the bus was going. Yeah, yeah schoolboy era. Schoolboy era. You learned that one very quickly. Yeah. Yeah, but those that was the bad old days um, before we had to ding bells and wait for it all to stop. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So see how much better public transport is now. It doesn't kill you. <laughs> but it's, it, I think public transport is great, isn't it? And. Uh... It, it just takes a lot of investment to, to make it work well. Um, I think so. I think so. So perhaps, yes. But I guess that that does depend on you and I and everybody committing to using it a fair bit more, which um, well, may, maybe I should try. After and also, I quite like the car share idea in Singapore, yeah, where, where you um, you can only drive your car if you've got a certain number plate, only drive it into town on certain days of the week. Oh, um, did they do that in Melbourne? No, but I, I think that that's a, a really... Well, obviously, in Singapore, they can, they impose it. Um, but I think it's a good idea, car, carpooling. Yeah, because um, the, the French started that in Paris, didn't they? I think you're only allowed, to, if, you, if you've got an odd-numbered plate, you come in on a Monday, Wednesday, and if you've got an even-numbered or something. Yeah, that's funny, because they've all got odd-numbered plates in, in Paris, because their number is 75, isn't it? That's the, that's the <laughs> regional number not, of Paris. It's not going to work, then, is it? <laughs> one, day, one day it's going to be really... Why is the traffic so non-existent? Uh, is it the end of the world or have I just got my number wrong? <laughs> yeah, okay, that, that 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 probably didn't work. Maybe it was some other dividing digit or letter they used. Yeah, I do know a lot of the use of trivia, don't I? No. <laughs> Make a mental note not to blame at Trivial Pursuit either. <laughs> right, uh, so I've got no idea how long we've got left, but I'm assuming it's going to be about five minutes. So oh, what are we going to say? I know it's used up that time already. My my listener will be impressed um, if they haven't written a strong letter of complaint to the station (laughs) manager by now. Uh, So, oh, here's what I want to ask you about. Differences between biking in Australia and the UK. Because Mm -hmm. obviously Australia goes on the same side of the road as the UK. I would imagine similar traffic patterns... Weather might be a bit better, but what, what are the differences? Well, I think the weather's a lot better. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
the quality of the roads is much higher. In Australia? In Australia. The, I think it would probably be true to say that the lanes appear to be wider. Got uh, more space. Yeah, there's much more space. The volume of traffic is lower. The cars go slower. Um, so all in all, much less risky to ride a motorbike in Australia, in my view. Okay, so if you're doing a bike tour holiday, Australia, when we're allowed to do that sort of thing again, Australia could be the place to do it. Yeah, so kind of counter that by saying that um, Australian drivers are not really very used to road motorbikes. So if, if you brought the British biking fraternity over to ride motorbikes over here like they do in the UK, there would be accidents because Australian drivers are just not used to that. Okay. Um, yeah. If you know what I'm saying. Because what, you the, mean they're always a, throwing empty beer cans out the window or something? Like so a guy who lived in the UK for a while, but when I was there, you know, on bikes, there's no lane discipline. Central London, there's almost no lane discipline in motorbikes. They, they, they come in and go out, weave in and out all the time. Yeah, well, they, they weren't when you were riding them, that's, that's for certain. No, things, things might have changed um, since then. Um, but, you know, uh, but drivers were used to that, kind of expecting it. Uh, we're more, more bike aware, shall we say, than they are here. There are far few, but fewer bikes, motorbikes here. Um, bikes are quite expensive here as well. I don't know why that is. Um, but um, the bike I sold in the UK, I bought here for twice, of, twice as much as I sold it for in the UK. It's the same bike. Whoa. Hmm. Whoa. Okay. I think, I'm guessing, we've probably come to about the end of the show. Oh, Steve. I know. Oh. And it was such good, enjoyable chat. So yeah, some contentious issues, though. So, so the, the the thing with you know things about safety are tricky, aren't they? And whether people should be riding when they're older, and what what safety, you know, what, what level of training should you have before you let loose? I think those are all really important questions. They are, and ones that anybody getting on a bike or really in any form of transport should consider about. Always go for, I think, some form of refresher if you've been off that mode of transport for a while. Yes, yeah, so I, I think it should be. What was the phrase I've used before? Um, easier to learn, but harder to pass. Yes, that's a good phrase. Easier to learn, but harder to pass. So make it very easy for people to access training courses. Make the courses really high quality, but the content needs to be really deep and, um, you know, appropriate. But then you've really got to have developed a high level of expertise or higher level of expertise before you're allowed to pass, I yeah. think. Yeah, and and probably a good amount of practical stuff in there as well. So if any um, biking or transport agencies would like to license the use of that phrase, uh, easier to learn, harder to pass, uh, please get in touch with Trevor Watson. Uh, he's currently locked down in Melbourne, so he's got plenty of time to answer emails. And uh, I'm sure he'll license it to you for a very reasonable sum. Yes, I will. Yes, yes, he will. Anyway, it's been really good and fun talking to you, Trevor. I wish you all the best for the future, and uh, hopefully we both get out of lockdown in the not-too-distant future. Yes, I wish all of you in New Zealand um, all the best with uh, with your current challenge. It's a nasty, nasty little bug, this thing. It is indeed. So here's to better times where we can all be more mobile you have been listening to drive alive here on fresh fm thank you to npd fuels for sponsoring us and we'll hopefully hear from you and us 
in a couple of weeks' time. Bye for now. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this podcast available by funding the Access Media Project. Other great podcasts from Fresh FM are available through the accessmedia.nz app or our website freshfm.net.